Good morning, and I want to say, uh, dear people, okay, I'm looking, and I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking while we were singing. I wonder who's here, and I wonder where all this beautiful sound is coming from. Just uh, really touched. Thank you. I love the singing. So qualifications. Uh, Paul told Titus in Titus 1.5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. And uh, the Amplified says, Set right what was defective, and finish what was left undone, and that you might appoint elders and set them over the church's assemblies in every city as I directed you. So, um, I think we can say with Paul, uh, in our day, every day since his time, that uh, the work is on finished, and uh, there is always need for uh, for the Christian witness to go forward and for elders, pastors. Uh, and I think we know that in our town, I mean, we don't, we're not given responsibility to uh, to ordain elders in every city. I don't think I would have, I don't, I wouldn't have the energy for that. But, uh, in this town, in this church, this is our task. And we're going to talk this morning, I'm going to talk about qualifications of church leaders. The first part uh, of what I say, I'm not going to refer to scripture verses. I'm just uh, going to summarize some things that are on my mind. So what kind of men are we looking for? These notes are in your bulletin, some of them. Uh, What kind of men are we looking for to lead in this congregation? And uh, this is not, I don't think this is really a simple question. And uh, so I want to comment about some issues that concerns that I've observed over the years. Uh, the first, I think the first thing we want to say is that uh, we're thinking about character. Um, no matter what skills are required, uh, if a person isn't a, a, a man of character, uh, personal, his personal inner life, who he is, uh, when nobody else sees him, when only God sees him, who is he? And no, no amount of uh, skill or knowledge will compensate for significant um, personal character flaws. And uh, and I think too that uh, just as important as character is a person's emotional maturity 
And uh, now I want to stop and say that there is no one in this room who is perfectly mature. I just feel like I need to say that every little bit. <laughs> There's no one here. I'm not. Leon's not. Nobody here is perfectly mature. Uh, so that, that's not what we're looking for, is perfection. Uh, <clears throat> the worst leaders, in my observation, um, are uh, men who are insecure, uh, defensive, always have to be right, uh, can't remain emotionally, emotionally calm in difficult situations. And uh, I'm not always all of these things uh, myself, but this is still true. Uh, the second uh, issue is gifts and skills for the work. Uh, so if you're going to decide who's qualified for something, part of the answer to that depends on what, what the work is that a person needs to do. Uh, I think it's easy to think, maybe maybe some people think, that a good man can do anything. Okay, the problem with that is a good man can't do anything. <laughs> he can do what he can do. People are gifted in different ways, and that's, that's all that's about. It's not making anybody be... Uh, less of a person if you can't do everything. I can't do everything myself. Some things I'm better at than others. So what, what is the work and what, what gifts and skills does that work require? The third thing I have there is what church culture do we want? And this, this can be, uh, I think, uh, somewhat of a sensitive issue. Uh, <clears throat> Who, what do we want the church to be like? And what kind of minister or deacon will help this church uh, function, have the kind of culture that we, we hope it has? And it does depend somewhat on, on uh, who, who, who the leaders are. And uh, I'll try to explain that a little bit. If we want a church culture that encourages people to grow and change and to be honest about uh, their needs and take responsibility for failures, uh, if, if that's what you want in a church, well then, uh, then the people who lead have to be that way. Um, if you want a church culture in which people are allowed to ask questions and ex express themselves um, and contribute uh, to a thought process or a, a uh, searching, a discernment process about something, then obviously you, you need to to ordain people who are comfortable with people contributing. If you want a church culture in which members uh, care about each other and disciple each other, uh, then uh, the ordained have to think that's okay. 
they have to have the view that they aren't the only ones who can exhort and encourage people. I, I know, I know ordained people who are threatened if someone else instructs somebody. So what are the qualifications for the work? Uh, so I'm going to talk about that. Uh, before I do that, I want to give two cautions. I'm going to restate the one thing I already said. Um, there is no such thing uh, as someone who is perfectly qualified for church leadership. Uh, even one one of the negative things, one one of the uh, difficulties about being human is that even our strengths have corresponding weaknesses. Now. Pardon me, but that really frustrates me. I mean, even the things that I I realize I can do fairly well, then there are the the other side of the thing is that that I can tend to be weak in the thing that I'm strong in. Uh, it, it's uh, somewhat of a challenge. We're we're human. And humans are not God, and uh, we can't uh, perfect ourselves. Nobody is perfect. So we're looking for humble people who are interested in growing, uh, people, humble people who have an upright character. I wasn't sure if I should say this this morning after I uh, gave people an opportunity to uh, tell me if they were convinced that uh, they should not be a candidate. But um, it's easy for humble men of character to disqualify themselves in their own mind because they take themselves and, and the work too seriously. Now, I know that might sound totally unbiblical, but uh, it is a serious work. Uh, but this serious work is God's work, and it doesn't all depend on me getting everything right. And uh, it, it maybe forces us to uh, learn to trust God in a deeper way. And... Uh, and it also, I think, forces us to realize that we are not the only man on this team. And uh, so this doesn't all depend on me and my wits. Uh, so that, that's one caution I have. It, it is a serious thing, but um, so sometimes I think people just pressure themselves beyond... Uh, they pressure themselves more than they trust God and the people uh, that they're working with. So this morning I want to uh, focus on the primary task of an ordained person and the basic personal character qualifications. So the primary task, uh, I have four things here, is, uh, and I'm not um, distinguishing between an office. 
So the, the first one I have a task is to preach, teach, and instruct. Uh, so a primary task of, a, of an ordained person, according to Scripture, is to preach and teach. And this requires a relationship with Christ, uh, understanding of who Christ is, and an understanding of the basic message of the Bible. It, it's hard to get up and talk about something if you don't know the person and the text and understand the message. It requires that the ordained person has an inclination towards study of the Word. It doesn't mean he <clears throat> knows Greek and Hebrew, but uh, he doesn't hate. <laughs> he doesn't hate reading and considering what the Bible says. Uh, this requires the ability to read and interpret Scripture. It requires some basic knowledge of how to use study helps or the willingness to learn. It requires some skill of communication, uh, the ability to present truth uh, in a way that people can understand. And the second category I have is uh, pastor, shepherd. Uh, so a, an ordained person is not only uh, asked to preach, but he's asked to be a pastor or a shepherd of people. So this, this requires a love for people or ability to develop a love for people. It requires a basic understanding of uh, maybe human nature, the human condition, and the basic needs of people, uh, their spiritual needs, emotional needs. Uh, <clears throat> and I would say that it, it helps, I think, if a person has experienced a few challenges in their own life and has learned to uh, face them and uh, bring them to God and bring them to others. Uh, it's hard to shepherd people uh, if you don't have any experience of having challenges of your own. It requires the ability to maintain a healthy relationship with people uh, even when they resist you, and and I'll admit uh, it's one of my challenges. It requires that the ordained person have compassion for people and be able to point people to Christ, and not be a uh, I'm, I'm going to use the word fixer. He's trying to perfect people. Uh, Everyone is on a journey, and uh, the goal is to point them to Christ and assist them in their walk. So I've mentioned two tasks, preach and pastor, and the third one I have is lead, uh, administrate. And, um, and I'll just say I don't consider myself uh, a very good administrator. Uh, I'm not sure... I don't think it's really my natural gift. But uh, <clears throat> it requires uh, humility and the ability to respect people and receive other people's ideas. It requires knowing how to lead without lording. It requires the ability to administrate, and by that I mean to identify 
and evaluate needs and issues uh, to, to have some thoughts about what needs to happen here in light of this place we're at. Uh, and, and it also requires being able to lead in healthy discussions. Um, also, unfortunately, it requires the ability to make decisions that we know not everyone will be happy with. Uh, it, it requires uh, guarding against being a people pleaser. And, and probably most of us are people pleasers. And um, I'm a people pleaser. I know some of you are. And uh, we, we have, th this is uh, the challenge of leading. And the fourth one I have, uh, working on a team. This is a task. In our, in our circles, in our church, in this church, uh, plural ministry, it's, it's a team. So it, it requires, uh, humility, uh, the ability to own my mistakes, and, uh, that's what I was trying to do last evening in my email, on my mistake. It, it requires the ability to receive the ideas of others, uh, to acknowledge the contribution of others. Uh, and humility is a character uh, trait uh, because it expresses who a person is. And, and uh, I'm not sure how humility is learned. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a result of submission to God. So humility, working on a team requires humility. Uh, it requires a desire to see tasks completed. Uh, <clears throat> I've been in team meetings that there was a lot of discussion, but we never decided who was going to do whatever it was we decided to do. You're supposed to smile about that. Okay, I can assure you it won't get done. It won't get done if we talk about it and decide it ought to get done, but nobody's assigned to do it. Uh, so it, it requires a desire to see something accomplished, a task completed. And um, <clears throat> when you're on a team um, and you have a job, it takes a certain level of um, security about yourself to be able to do your job and not be scared to death of what other people going to think of what you're doing. Uh, all of this is about maturity, of course. And uh, being on a team requires being uh, having some wisdom about relating to people on the team, uh, uh, some understanding of how my attitudes and the things I say affect other people, and none of us is perfect in this. Uh, you know, the being, being, uh, wise in relating, um, 
can't, you can't, I can't be, we can't be uh, hurtful in an effort to win. So now the qualifications. I'm on the middle of the page on the back of the bulletin. Uh, this is from 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, and I'll read. Uh, this is the uh, New King James. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop overseer, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. This is from Titus 1, 5 following. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word that he has been taught, as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. <clears throat> now, I was thinking while I was reading those verses, and I was thinking, um, this is a high standard, and I wonder how well I fit that. So that that's um, part of the challenge here. Uh, and I think sometimes when we don't know for sure where we stand in all of this stuff, it helps to... Uh, um, it helps to talk to your wife or a good friend and get some perspective. So the upright character uh, talks about being blameless. Uh, a bishop must be blameless. An ordained person must be blameless. Now, the Greek word translated must emphasizes an absolutely necessary quality, um, it's an overall requirement. In fact, the other qualifications that follow this um, define and illustrate what it means by blameless. Uh, blameless means not able to be held. Uh, a blameless man cannot be taken hold of as if he were a criminal. He's irreproachable. It doesn't mean he's perfect, 
but he can't be uh, condemned for uh, these crimes. To be just is to be upright. It's conduct that corresponds to uh, the right standards. And uh, this is, I think, speaking of relationships with others. Holy uh, has the idea of being set apart. It's talking about relationship with God. Temperate, temperate uh, means disciplined. Bodily appetites under control. Uh, this is who he is himself. So it's manward, uh, Godward, and selfward. Um, vigilant, First uh, Timothy three eleven is the idea of being alert, not asleep, aware, uh, paying attention to what is going on. Uh, has discernment about situations and notices things. Is, a, is alert and aware. Uh, the second category I have here is positive family life. Um, so the, there's uh, qualifications for a deacon's wife, and it is true that a person's wife uh, does affect who a person is as an ordained person. But it talks about the wife being grave, not a slanderer, uh, not a uh, busybody, uh, doesn't speak evil, uh, pass information around, is faithful, trustworthy, um, having one wife, I, I'm not sure exactly what that means, honestly. Perhaps have one living wife. Not sure. Uh, the one about the children probably is the most um, challenging. Uh, you know, on any given day, whatever it is our children are doing that we are bothered by, uh, can raise questions about uh, what in the world is going on here, and what's that mean about me? So it's uh, saying children need to be believers, and uh, they can't be out of control, uh, not wild, um, not in a wild manner of life. Uh, and they can't can't be allowed to disobey. Perhaps perhaps it's uh, meaning. Uh, in the manner that Eli's children were, and he somewhat admonished them, but didn't really do anything about it. Uh, in other words, uh, allowed to be out of control and uh, rebellious and not not be admonished. Uh, and so then the idea is expressed that if a, if a man does not, if a father husband does not know how to how to lead in these kinds of affairs at home, how would he know how to do it in the church? A third category I have is uh, able to suffer. The ability to endure pain and trouble for the sake of others. And I, I don't think, uh, maybe, maybe people who haven't been ordained don't really think about this or don't realize that this is a thing. 
pardon me, it's a thing. That uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about the affliction. Uh, he talks about affliction and that God is the God of all comfort, and he comforts Paul in his affliction. And he talks about his sorrow and his tears and uh, his suffering. Uh, a number of times in First Corinthians he does this. Suffering under persecution, suffering under opposition. Um, then he talks about his thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. Uh, persecutions, distress, insult, difficulties. Uh, it's the theme of this First Corinthians, that letter. Uh, in Acts 20, he talks about going to Jerusalem and that he was going to experience trouble. And uh, he even said in Romans that he wished he would he would uh, be willing to be accursed for the sake of uh, his fellow Jews. That's pretty radical. Uh, in Philippians, I am willing to be offered as a sacrifice on the service of your faith, uh, even if it costs me my life. So uh, this idea of suffering, in Colossians 1, Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my body, uh, in my flesh, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, as if Christ uh, in his suffering, did not suffer everything that his followers will suffer. In other words, he didn't complete all the suffering. And his followers likewise will suffer. And Paul says, I've experienced that. And, uh, and the Greek word for, uh, for his uh, suffering is the word agonize. So he says, I'm agonizing for you. I'm in an agony of spirit for you, and I have been uh, spending a lot of uh, time and energy in relation to uh, you dear people. That's what Paul said. The fourth category I have is uh, seeks to maintain healthy relationships. Second uh, Timothy 2 talks about being humble toward those who oppose the truth, uh, humble toward those who oppose the person. Uh, and I think it helps if, uh, if I, if a leader, doesn't think that he has to have the last word and always be right. Uh, that does help. Not self-willed. Not, which means not being overbearing, uh, uh, disregarding, and maybe in an arrogant way, the concerns of others in order to uh, please himself or uh, self-will. Not soon angry is the idea of not being quick-tempered and impatient. Uh, not addicted to alcohol, not a striker, is the idea of uh, not violent, not ready to uh, assail people, attack them, not a brawler, uh, the idea of being patient. Uh, 
You know, the word sober uh, doesn't mean just don't smile. It means being having a self-controlled mind and emotions. Not a lover of money. Uh, does not use his office for personal gain. Hospitable, uh, lover of people, lover of strangers, lover of people in need. Loves good people and loves good deeds and has a good report of those without. Uh, I don't think that means that he's trying to curry the favor of unbelievers, but that they do not have, they cannot give a bad report about him. And then there's the uh, category of doctrinal fitness. Um, Uh, when I was interviewed for Nation, uh, one of the interviewers asked me a doctrinal question. The uh, question that was asked was, does the Bible contain the Word of God or is the Bible the Word of God? That was the question. I actually remember it was a long time ago. And I said, I actually don't know what you're asking. And the dear brother responded. He turned to Brother Eli and Brother Milton and he said, uh, I don't know. He said something about what I didn't know. And then he said, uh, but he has a good spirit. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, doctrinal fitness. Um, obviously, you wouldn't want to ordain a heretic, but uh, a person who is attentive to uh, what's true, what's biblical, and, and isn't um, attracted by strange ideas, um, and he... And the idea in these verses is that he is uh, doctrinally sound so that he can refute uh, gainsayers, he can admonish people in what is true. So, uh, a summary. A summary of uh, leadership qualifications. Uh, Christian leaders love Jesus uh, more I'm going to say more than any system of thought or program or cause. They love Jesus more than their own ideas and their own view of how to make everything work, the system. They, they love Jesus Christ more. Uh, the second thing I have is that Christian leaders care for their own souls. I think it is very easy uh, once you're ordained, ordained to be very preoccupied with all the things that need to be done and you forget that you need to take care of yourself and your wife and your children and uh, to be growing yourself and to care about 
of your own emotional and spiritual and maybe physical too welfare. So Christian leaders care for their own souls, uh, for their own person. Christian leaders can love, care for, and envision growth and change for others. I think this is a huge issue. Uh, to have a vision for the people that you're trying to shepherd, who they can be, and, and how you might be able to help them become. And, and of course, uh, God created people with what we call a free will the ability to make their own choices, and you cannot make people be who you want them to be. And it's not like some formula that's going to accomplish this. But it, it, really, it really helps if you can envision for people uh, and communicate that to them in some way who they can be. So Christian leaders love people, uh, they respect people, they, they know how to listen to people and hear what they're saying and care about what they're saying. Uh, and they, they understand that uh, Christian leaders understand that uh, servanthood is a form of power. Uh, so Jesus talked about uh, being humble and not being lords, and uh, not not uh, you, you exercise uh, your authority uh, through service by serving. Christian leaders uh, love; they value the diversity. They do not look. They're not trying to create a carbon copy of themselves in the team members or in church members. They, they recognize that people created in the image of God and created different. Uh, they are able to articulate uh, all positions. I have all these headings here in your notes. Uh, this is one of the... Uh, Actually, the item I was writing about last evening, I didn't do that. I didn't. The, the reason I didn't do very well with that issue is I was not listening very well when people were making comments about their view of it. Okay? That's just the fact. I didn't really hear uh, until, you know, two weeks went by, and then it finally dawned on me what they were saying. Uh, if, if, you, if you're going to uh, lead people, you have to be able to say to them, tell them what it is that they said to you is their view of this. That means you understood it. You may not agree with it, but you did understand it. So it's, it's one of the challenges. Able to articulate all positions. Uh, Christian leaders are consistent. They, they live what they teach. And that they may not do this perfectly, but this is their intention. Uh, Christian leaders are learners. 
they are they are glad to learn. They don't have the view that they already know everything. And uh, the last one, which doesn't necessarily relate to this ordination process, except that we're thinking about the future. But Christian leaders plan for the future. They don't. They don't. They don't think of themselves as um, living forever. And they are thinking about how can I help the people in my team grow and become able to do whatever needs to be done five years from now or ten years from now. And uh, this is the process we're in now. Uh, some of us, I am older. So we're, we're thinking about the future. I hope that the things that I've shared here this morning will be helpful and not burdening. Uh, not too many uh, negative details that bog us down. So we are not looking for perfect people. We're looking for people who are humble, people who are pursuing a relationship with Christ, people who are pursuing spiritual and emotional maturity, people who possess uh, leadership gifts. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the Lord of the church. Uh, Thank you that uh, you have given us instruction in in, uh, qualifications, qualities, that you're looking for in in your under shepherds and uh, give give each of us uh, wisdom in our considerations about ourselves and others. Uh, lead us by your spirit and and give us the ability to trust you in this process. And thank you. Amen.